Howdy guys, I'm Aiden of Blue Couch Productions, and welcome to episode 16 of Aiden on Anchor, the show where I tell you about my life story, as well as talk about this cool little journey with Anchor. It is currently June 13th, 2019, filming this bad boy at 1 o'clock. Don't know what time it's going to come out, but that's cool. I've been a little loosey-goosey off of which days I put these out. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to stress myself out. I'm not going to make myself feel worse about it. The important thing is that I'm doing it. It's not as important what day it comes out, but whether or not my brain is actively involved in the process of making it. And I got to keep telling myself that, especially with regular videos. But I could start with the podcast at the very least. Anyway, welcome to Aiden on Anchor, everybody. If you're wondering what today's episode is going to be about, we're going to talk about two things really, if we have time for it. I want to try to cover both these topics in as much detail as I can. One of those topics being E3 2019. We'll get to that a little bit later. And the other topic I want to talk about is this whole bring back the National Dex movement I've been seeing on Twitter regarding Pokemon Sword and Shield. So a bit more of a gaming-focused episode. That's what's been going on in my life. E3 week has been huge for me, but I'll try to keep it interesting try to add perspective to anybody who doesn't care about any of that sort of stuff but if you do care sit back relax and uh yeah let's just go ahead and get into it let's first start with the bring back the national decks movement that has been going on on twitter everybody clamoring for pokemon to fix sword and shield and make it a quote-unquote complete game what's the issue you may be asking what's the big uproar about well turns out that when you transfer your Pokemon from the older games to Pokemon Home, and then you were to take those Pokemon and transfer them into Sword and Shield, not all of them are going to be transferable. Okay, what does that mean? So basically, any Pokemon that is not in the Galar Regional Pokedex, I'm not talking about new Pokemon, I'm talking everybody that shows up in Sword and Shield, all those Pokemon... If it is not one of those, you cannot transfer it over. So let's say Pikachu doesn't show up in Pokemon Sword and Shield. He does, by the way. We've seen pictures of it. <laughs> but let's just say, for example, Pikachu does not show up in Pokemon Sword and Shield. You would not be able to transfer your Pikachu from the older games to the new ones. Okay. <laughs> That's a little crazy. And typically, regional Pokedexes, by the way, end up being around 400 or 300 Pokemon big. And if you haven't been keeping up with Pokemon for a while, there's about like 800. We'll be closer to 900 by the time all the new Pokemon are revealed. So that means there's a solid 300 or 400 Pokemon that are just going to be cut, basically. You won't be able to transfer them to the newest games. They will stay on Pokemon Home or any other previous games you had them in if you don't decide to transfer. Sword and Shield will only feature the Pokemon that is in the Galar Regional Pokedex. You can't transfer anything else. And people were mad <laughs> to say the least geez it was like the number one trending hashtag on twitter we had a huge uproar of people getting frustrated about it calling game freak lazy incompetent uh hateful all sorts of things public attacks the works basically and i think part of it is that yes this is a big thing but another part of it i think that we need to realize too is that this came off of the Mario Maker 2 and Sonic the Hedgehog movie events where people were mad at the Sonic the Hedgehog movie and people were mad at Mario Maker 2 
and so the movie decided to delay itself to give it more time to be its best self. And Mario Maker 2 decided to add back in the online feature that was cut originally. Like, we've had a lot of instances of, of fan uproar turning these games and movies and media into something better. And whether you want to call that entitlement, whether you want to call that positive discourse, whether you want to call that improving art, however you want to label that as, I'm not going to get into that discussion. But those events came right before the Bring Back the National Dex movement. And if it wasn't already big in the Pokemon community, everybody else on Twitter kind of made that connection and thought, oh, here's another train I can jump on. Here's another movement I can be a part of. Here's another chance to make this game, quote unquote, better. So that obviously expanded <laughs> the reach of what we saw on Twitter. Um, and I've talked about this whole entitlement, non-entitlement thing on uh, The Other Side of the Fence, a podcast I do with Parker Mile, also known as Carrie Knight Gaming. So if you want more thoughts on that, go check that out. Anyway, all the backstory taken care of. <laughs> we, we mentioned all the important bits here. I guess the only thing we have to do now is just sort of get into my thoughts on the whole thing. And obviously, like, I'm not excited about it. I'm not thrilled. I'm not jumping up and down. I'm not pleased with them, uh, even remotely. I, I think getting rid of options in, in any game, much less Pokemon, where literally the Pokemon are the options on how you play and experience the game. And if you take half of that out... <laughs> you're losing a lot obviously uh, game freak had made in an interview that part of the reason that they did it was for balancing reasons and like i'm all in favor of trying to, to balance the, the crazy metagame pokemon has with like 800 almost a thousand pokemon uh, but it's not the pokemon that unbalances these things you know that right it's like items abilities smaller things and if they're broken you can patch them in, right? If, if things are broken about the metagame and you notice it, well, that takes a little bit of initiative on your part to go ahead and patch it and fix it. I don't see how the number of Pokemon alone would cause a balance issue, especially since more than half of the Pokemon <laughs> in total, like in the entire National Pokedex, half of them are garbage. <laughs> half of them, half of them have no place in a competitive battle whatsoever and removing them doesn't make them better <laughs> at all what are you going to remove a bunch of fan favorites and good pokemon so that those bad pokemon are eventually good like that just seems like a very backwards way of doing things like to me it would make more sense to go ahead and buff those weak pokemon into a state of usability like how they did last generation taking pokemon like Firo and raichu and buffing up their stats so that they would be more competitively viable in the new meta whereas here <laughs> the way of balancing things is just oh we're gonna cut out half the pokedex and then it'll be balanced well not necessarily it could still be really messed up and with less options more pokemon that were already hard to deal with if they are in pokemon sword and shield will be even harder to deal with now because you've given us less options less ways to play even I'm not sure if every style of Pokemon player can be pleased if their favorite Pokemon or Pokemon that define the metagame aren't there, especially if they're not popular, <laughs> especially if they're like weird or uh, a Gen 5 Pokemon. 
<laughs> they're probably not coming back. They're probably not coming back, to be honest. And I'm sure Pokemon isn't going to go down this the smoking tier list and, and find each specific Pokemon and be like, all right, we have to keep these because this is important to the Pokemon showdown meta. They don't care. They're going to get rid of whatever they want, dude. <laughs> they're going to get rid of whatever they want. So I don't buy the balance argument whatsoever. Uh, sure, they're a really good Pokemon. None of them at any point have really broken the entire game. It's usually because of an ability or a move or an item that that sort of thing happens. And again, they're easy fixes. Uh, Showdown has very easy fixes for a lot of that stuff. Bans, etc. Metagames, all that sort of stuff. They kind of regulate themselves. You don't really need somebody coming in there and taking out half the Pokedex in order for better regulation. Like, to me, that just seems backwards. Anyway, we're moving on. The other reason that they brought up that uh, they were doing this was because of animations. That they were taking these 3DS, 240p, ugliest sin models, and that they were transferring them over to the Switch to make them look all new, nice, and pretty for the old favorites. And then they were also building all these new models for all the new Pokemon. Now, granted, we don't know how many new Pokemon appear in Sword and Shield, but it's a safe bet it's anywhere from 100 to 200, roughly. Uh, could be less, could be more, give or take. The last few have been kind of on the lower side, so we don't know. But that's a lot of Pokemon, and that's a lot of work. And in some cases, they're actually changing up the models. There was a great picture I saw on uh, on Twitter where someone had taken a photo of Growlithe in Pokemon Sword and Shield and compared it to Growlithe in Sun and Moon in the 3DS games. And oh my god, he looks so much better. Like, they changed his pose, they added the color back, he looked angry, he looked dynamic. Like, holy cow. Like, they're actually going out here and improving some of the models. And if they're doing that for all the old Pokemon and for all the new Pokemon, like, that's a lot of work. And so they had decided that it would probably be best if we didn't do this for up to a thousand Pokemon or else the game would be delayed. So they were like, we'll just cut it off here. And the way they worded it in the interview made it seem like this was going to be a permanent change that not just for Sword and Shield, but for later games in the franchise, that this was going to be the standard now. Because there are so many Pokemon that exist, and because we keep coming up with new ones, we were going to get to the point where it would have been impossible to add 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 Pokemon into each and every game. Just from a workload perspective, from an animation perspective, from a modeling perspective. And that makes sense to me, honestly. That argument I buy a lot more. <laughs> than the whole balance argument. I don't know where that came from. But animation-wise, workload-wise, yeah, I'd imagine it'd be a pain. You were taking, essentially, <laughs> the resolution of a Super Nintendo game and putting it on the 1080p Nintendo Switch 720p if you're in handheld mode. Yeah, that's a lot of work. I understand. I sympathize with that. That makes sense. Totally understandable on that point. I'm not going to pretend like I know game development and be like, oh, well, technically, if they did it this specific way, they could work around. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything about animating and modeling. I'm going to take their word on it. They probably know what they're doing on that front. So there's that. But, yeah, uh, to, to say that I'm disappointed, I think, is a little bit of an understatement, not only for competitive, but for my own favorite Pokemon, right? The Pokemon that I love to use when I can in almost every game might not be in here 
and they might not be in here for this game or the next game or the game after that or whatever. It depends, right? If this is the new standard, is it a rotation of different Pokemon in each game? Are they the same? What? How does that work out, I wonder? Is it going to be through a remake, through a new game? Are they going to patch home? Like, there are multiple ways they could potentially fix it. And the fan outrage might be enough to the point where they do try and implement some solution. We'll have to wait and see. But it's like, whew. That's not a fun announcement to make. <laughs> Even remotely. That's not a fun announcement to make. And it's definitely a... Uh, lets you in a little bit on game development and the amount of resources and the amount of development time that goes in to games like these big rpgs massive rpgs with a thousand characters and they've been doing it for what almost every year essentially almost every year <laughs> you think you would have worked around the fact that there were getting too many pokemon by not releasing a mainline pokemon game every year like right am i the only one who thought of that is like yeah <laughs> Of course we have a thousand Pokemon. You guys keep releasing a game almost every freaking year. And people love that. And I love that sometimes. Uh, but I think like this workload and this pace at which they're coming out with game after game after game after game is going to lead to issues like this. Whether we like it or not. <laughs> it's going to lead to cut content. It's going to lead to cut modes and features and the team prioritizing what needs to stay in and what doesn't need to stay in and what appeals to a mass audience doesn't always appeal to the core Pokemon fan base whatsoever. And so that that was just something I was thinking about just recently of like, oh geez, <laughs> this might not be the only thing that changes in recent years. We'll have to wait and see. Personally, I'm okay with a regional decks of 300 or 400 uh, typically when i'm playing a new pokemon game i don't load it up with old favorites i like to try out the newer stuff and so i'm okay with the fact that there's only 400 or so regional pokemon because i want to use the new ones but i still would like to be able to transfer my old boys all right i still would like to transfer my venusaur from leaf green from almost 10 years ago more than 10 years ago honestly like 13 or 14 at this point jesus I'm a big fan of Pokemon, as you can, as you can see. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. Yeah, I think for me, it's not the end of the world. I still will be buying Pokemon Sword and Shield. Day one, pretty much. I, I do worry a little bit about the competitive scene and the response and whether or not Game Freak decides to fix it. We'll have to wait and see. But I think I'll still be fine. Uh, let's just hope Venusaur is in the game. <laughs> that's, all I'm, that's all I'm saying. All right. That's all I'm going to talk about that topic for. We talked about it for 15 minutes. The next thing I want to discuss is E3 2019. Wow. So many conferences. So many games. What are my thoughts on E3 2019 this year? Uh, it wasn't good. It wasn't, it wasn't good, to be honest. I was a lot angrier um, once it was all said and done. And once I'd realized how much time and energy I had dedicated to watching all these E3 conferences. But now that I've had a little bit more time to reflect, it still sucked. <laughs> My opinion didn't change. I'm just a lot less angry about it now. And there's a reason that I was angry. 
a, a very valid one, honestly. It, the, a lot of these conferences weren't good. A lot of them were kind of shitty. A lot of them were up to two hours long and had maybe one really hype game, a really hype game announcement. And for those who don't know me, I have one rule when it comes to E3. One major rule that any company or anybody making a conference at E3 needs to live by. Because if you don't live by that rule, your conference is it's in shambles and nobody will care. Whatever. The rule is, if you don't have anything to show, don't show up at all. That's the rule. That's the rule, honestly. And for once, Sony actually decided they weren't going to show up to E3. Why? They didn't have anything to show. Now, granted, they didn't have anything to show last year either, but they still showed up. So I don't quite know what they were thinking last year. But this year, they got their head on straight and thought, hey, we ain't got enough games to show. We're not going to show up. And you know what? Congrats to Sony. I wish more companies took that approach. Uh, EA is one of those companies that I wish took that approach. They had literally one game, uh, one new one, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Which, to be fair, looks better than the multiplayer Star Wars titles. But at the same time, it's single player and it's an action game. But it felt really uninspired to me. It felt kind of generic. It felt like we took a lot of other AAA action games and took bits and pieces of them. But gave them like a little forced twist. Which, granted, Star Wars games, for the longest time, have not been creative. <laughs> in a lot of aspects. It's a, it's a movie tie-in, alright? Let's, let's be real with ourselves. But... Jedi Fallen Order specifically looked really kind of, whoo, I've seen this in a thousand other games, and I'm not excited to play it in a Jedi-themed skin. But aside from Jedi Fallen Order, they had Madden, yay, FIFA, yay, uh, Sims 4 DLC, yay, Apex Legends, new season, okay, and Battlefield 5 DLC. They had one interesting reveal. In Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, and I wasn't even that interested in it. And the rest of the conference was spent on updates, DLC, and the typical Madden and FIFA. Which at this point, if you're surprised that a new Madden and FIFA coming out, you need to get your head checked. Because they're coming out every year. They're wild. They're like the Pokemon company. You gotta keep crack, cranking out cranking out these boys each and every year. <laughs> so, EA, I ended up giving an F-. minus. I wasn't really thrilled with the conference at all. Uh, another conference I wasn't really thrilled with, we'll just go from worst to best, was the PC Gaming Show. Now, the PC Gaming Show is almost always three hours long. This year, they shortened it to two hours. Thank God. But the reason it's long is not because they have that many games, but because they spend so much time on developer interviews where they'll show a trailer, they'll show a game, and then they'll be, like, introducing the said developer to go talk about that game. And I'm okay with, like, small little developer interviews. Like, say a couple words about the game, move on, right? These interviews, I swear to God, go on for five to ten minutes. And at that point, you're like, oh, so the reason this conference is long is because you spent most of the time interviewing people and not showing games. Oh, I get it now. And then on top of that, we usually always get some weird hardware tie-in of whatever company is sponsoring it. This year was the Epic Game Store, so we got a lot of specifically games that were coming out to that. Um... And the other thing, too, there were just so many games that it was hard to really keep track of anything, like, at all. I can't tell you a single game from the PC gaming show at all, because it just went by so fast. Oh, I, I do remember one. Hold on. I remember Baldur's Gate 3, and they already talked about it at Google Stadia's little event, but the PC gaming show was like, all right, here's our finale. 
Baldur's Gate 3, everybody. Get hype. We're going to get some new information exclusive to the PC Gaming Show. And the two developers come out, and they're like, yeah, we're not going to talk about anything that wasn't in the trailer. Um, so we're not going to tell you story or gameplay or anything. And I swear, this dude, this like PC Gaming host guy, tried asking these dudes a thousand questions. Like, what's the gameplay like? What's the story going to be like? He kept he kept really digging into them, trying to find any bit of information they can get. And the Baldur's Gate 3 guys were like, uh, yeah, well, maybe there might be a city. And uh, we can confirm that there are, in fact, swords. Uh, like, really non-answers at all. And so finally, the dude just gives up and then says, well, that's it for our show. So their final game was something that we already saw and got more information at at Google Stadia, not even an E3 show, at the Google Stadia event. That was their big finale. So yeah, PC Gaming Conference sucked. Another F. The final F I have, yeah, three Fs, believe it or not, was Ubisoft. And Ubisoft, to be fair, started out really strong. They had Watch Dogs Legions. I've never been a big fan of Watch Dogs. I've always found those games to be kind of generic as well. But Legions looked like it was fun because you could control a bunch of different characters. You're not, like, one main dude going around hacking shit. Like, there's 30 or 40 characters that you can control at any time and switch off. And the cool thing is that it's permadeath, too. So if any one of those characters dies at any point, they're gone. And so now you have to switch to another one. And the variety that we saw was pretty cool. There were buff dudes, spy chicks, and even grandmas. Yes, they put gilfs in a Watch Dogs game. Helen? Helen a baddie, honestly. I'm not gonna lie. The way she ran around with a gun and a gamer helmet taking dudes out. She's a level 13 hacker, too. So I gotta give props to Helen. She a baddie. I'd make her my wife any day of the week. Mm. Watch Dogs Legions was great, point being. That's what I was getting at here. And then the rest of the conference, they had not much else. A lot of shooting games. A lot of games that had Tom Clancy in the title or Rainbow Six, or The Division. Like, they just they just had Watch Dogs Legions, followed it up with a TV show that no one cared about, and then for the next 40, 50 minutes, was just an onslaught of shooting games. To the point where, like, it all felt like a haze and a blur. And really, the only time that I ever came back to the conference was, one, during the Just Dance segment, because that's funny. <laughs> it's always funny. It's coming down the Wii. That's wild. And the other thing that I remember was Gods and Monsters, the game that they showed at the end, not because it looked interesting, but because it looked better than all the other shooting games. Like, it wasn't a shooting game at all, so I noticed. So yeah, they got an F as well. They had Watch Dogs Legions, and literally nothing else. After that, working our way up here, Bethesda. Bethesda didn't get an F. They were a D minus, though. They were really, really close. Bethesda <laughs> opens up... Talking about Fallout 76 and the fact that they're adding new content like a Battle Royale mode. And it's like, oh, fucking kill me. Let it die. Let it die. I understand. I understand. They spent a lot of money on Fallout 76 and they want to get their value out of it. So they're trying to add new content. But the game still looks piss poor, man. I can't. I can't help break that feeling. I can't be dishonest with myself and say, wow, they really did improve the game. Not really. It still looks ugly. The combat still looks piss poor. They added dialogue trees, NPCs, and a battle rail mode. I'm sorry. That's not going to get me jumping up and down like a monkey. All right. It just, it just wasn't interesting. And then we had like four or five mobile games. One of the most notorious being a Commander Keen mobile game, a franchise that had been 
uh, around for a long time now, actually. Started back in older PCs. And uh, now I was getting a mobile game that didn't look good. Yay. Whatever. <laughs> and then the back half of the conference. And the reason that they didn't get an F was because id Software came. And Bethesda owns id, obviously. So that makes sense. And we got to see Wolfenstein Youngblood and Doom Eternal. And both of those games. Doom especially. God damn. Doom Eternal looked sick. Doom Eternal looked amazing. Like, that game is on point. Holy cow. I kind of wanted to play it. I haven't played Doom 2016, but I, I would still really love to play that. Absolutely. Good on you, Bethesda. Really. All right, next up, we're going to talk about Square Enix. Uh, Square Enix kind of blew it at the end with the Avengers showcase, but to be fair, uh, they ended up getting a C-, so they had other good stuff to show. Mostly a lot of remasters and ports that were coming over to the Switch, which I'm always a fan of. And probably, most importantly, Final Fantasy VII Remake looked really good. To be fair, we don't know how they're going to release it and distribute it. They keep going around with episodes or one game or multiple games or... I don't know. Apparently, like, the Final Fantasy VII Remake that you buy when it comes out is just the Midgar section. But it's, like, way longer now, I think. So... I don't know. I, I don't know how they're going to release it or distribute it, but the game itself looked good. The combat, the mechanics looked solid. So I'm a fan of Final Fantasy VII. That was really the only thing I wanted to talk about at Square. They also had Final Fantasy VIII Remaster coming to Switch. Uh, Dragon Quest looked good. I gotta mention that, but that's really about it. Okay. So next up, we're going to go ahead and talk about Microsoft. Microsoft had the biggest shot, I feel, in winning E3 this time. Because Sony won there, and because they really didn't announce a whole lot last year. Well, they announced a good bit, but they could really improve this year. And, to be fair, we got some good stuff. Uh, Gears 5 has like a weird horror edge. I don't know anything about Gears of War, if you can't tell. But it looked interesting. Halo Infinite, people like their Halo. Weird trailer, I must say. I don't quite know what happened there. They also talked about Project xCloud, their streaming service. And their new console, Project Scarlet which apparently is going to be four times more powerful than the original Xbox and have 8K resolution and 120 frames per second. I'll believe it when I see it. When you're talking numbers like that and you don't actually show anything, it's hard to really grasp onto it, especially with technology and how fast it's growing. So there's that. And then probably what stole the show for most people was Cyberpunk 2077 featuring Keanu Reeves. I'm not joking. Keanu Reeves came out on stage and they had a trailer where at the very end of it, they show Keanu Reeves just in the game as like a cyberpunk dude. It's like, whoa, okay. I was already kind of excited for this game and having Keanu Reeves in it is also exciting. Apparently people love Keanu, dude. Like that dude was worshipped on Twitter for a solid three or four days. So yeah. Uh, Microsoft is another one where I have a hard time remembering a lot of what happened because they take a similar approach to the PC gaming show where it's really long and they show a lot of games. Granted, without the interviews, but they show a lot of games. So there were a bunch of cool indie games, like one with a deer, one with an RPG, but like written on pen and paper kind of look to it. Um, 12 Minutes, which was cool. A lot of like smaller indie games that I remember bits and pieces of, but couldn't tell you the names because they, they just went. <laughs> they just went sicko mode the entire time. Uh, but that didn't mean that the pacing was bad and that I couldn't remember a lot of it. Uh, to be fair. So they ended up getting a solid C. Last two conferences. Let's do it. Let's do it. I don't want to go too much over 30 minutes. Devolver 
Devolver Digital, they always do like joke conferences, and this year they were clowning on the Nintendo Direct. I don't want to spoil the plot for anybody, so if you have not seen it, go ahead and do so. I keep seeing people always talk about, oh, how did Devolver Show go? I didn't watch it. Please do yourself a favor and watch these conferences. Watch this year's, last year's, the years before. So good. So good. Devolver Bootleg was the highlight for me, which was D-Makes of classic Devolver games, but they're like ironically shitty. So (laughs) I was a fan of that. I was a fan of that. I really was. Last but not least, uh, Devolver.na. I want to talk about Nintendo, my main man, the main boy, the conference that ended out the show. And whoo, whoo, Lord. It essentially began and ended with two Smash DLC announcements. One of them being the hero from Dragon Quest, which made sense. Swear and uh, Nintendo were kind of buddy-buddy. And the hero from Dragon Quest was being added into Smash. So, cool. Uh, but it wasn't just one hero. It was a bunch of different heroes from all sorts of different Dragon Quest games. And it's like, wow, okay. Four characters for the price of one. Dope. The other character, though. Oh, Jesus. Banjo freaking Kazooie. A character that has been dead for almost 20 years without a good game. Nuts and bolts does not count. And he's just back in Smash. He's in Smash for the first time. And he just looks beautiful. It's like they took that 20-year-old character and just remade him with love. Like, he never left whatsoever. And man, the fucking, the heartstrings I had going on was so incredible. Banjo looks so good. He looks so good, dude. I want to play as him so badly. Um, and then we had, oh jeez, there's so many highlights. The third party stuff. I really want to talk about the third party stuff. So many games come in the Nintendo Switch that I'm just excited about beyond belief. Uh, Spyro, the remastered trilogy. Witcher 3. They fit Witcher 3 on the Switch. How's that happen? I have Panzer Dragoon, an old Sega franchise. They're remaking the first one and putting it on Switch. Resident Evil 5 and 6 and 1. I believe the only two we're missing now is 2 and 3. Uh, Alien Isolation and obviously Doom Eternal is coming as well. And there are a lot more games that I could not think of. Dragon Quest is another one. Uh, 11, the exclusive Wibbly Wobbly edition. A lot of third-party support. Uh, there's so many Nintendo conferences where we don't get any third-party support, and they just, they all showed up here. We got a little bit more information about Luigi's Mansion 3, Fire Emblem, Link's Awakening. All three looked really good. Like, they cleaned up Luigi's Mansion. Fire Emblem kind of went back to more of a Fire Emblem cinematic trailer. And Link's Awakening has a dungeon maker. Sign me up. Sign me the frick up. We didn't get much information about Pokemon and Mario Maker other than the Pokemon information that I talked about earlier. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Now, this game was going to come out in 2019, but it did unfortunately get delayed. We ended up finding out that the reason because of that was that they didn't want to emphasize crunch time, and so they're letting the developers work at their own pace and not try to rush this game out, which I am a fan of, especially for a game like Animal Crossing. You do not want to crunch and rush that out the door. Give it the time it needs. I'm okay with it. And then probably the the craziest part, the the absolute craziest part, at the very end, after Banjo-Kazooie, they're like, we got one more game. We got one more game to show. And it looks like Zelda Breath of the Wild. I'm like, okay, more DLC, whatever, who cares? And at the very end, they say, a sequel to Breath of the Wild is in development. And I'm like, oh, oh, shit. They're developing a sequel to Breath of the Wild. Oh, my God. This game's going to be amazing. 
they're using the same engine as Breath of the Wild 1, so it's kind of like Ocarina to Majora's Mask. It's now Breath of the Wild to this whatever Breath of the Wild 2 is. It looks creepy. It looks scary. Go watch the trailer, because it's hard to even explain what happened. I think I saw Ganondorf in there, and a weird spiritual hand, and Zelda got a haircut, and just... Oh, I cannot wait for Breath of the Wild 2. We're probably going to be a ways out from it, like two or three years, I'd imagine. But... Still, I'm glad they're using this engine. I'm glad they're actually building upon Breath of the Wild and not dropping everything to spend on another Zelda game. Breath of the Wild was really strong and had a lot of key elements that could be built and improved on. And if Breath of the Wild 2 does improve on those elements, best Zelda game by far. I already loved Breath of the Wild 1, but there are a couple issues I have. Breath of the Wild 2 could be amazing. And then that's how they ended out the conference. They had Doug Bowser presenting it. Pacing was incredible. Only about 30 minutes long or so. Uh, they won E3 for me. They got an A+. Absolutely. Not only was theirs the quickest, because no one else did a fucking direct, but they had more announcements per minute. And it was to a point where I couldn't forget all of it. Like, it wasn't too fast. Like, each game got an appropriate amount enough time so that it stayed in my head. And then ending it off with Banjo-Kazooie and Breath of the Wild 2, it's like, we might not ever have an Nintendo conference that good again. It was that, it was that solid. We were losing our minds <laughs> reacting to it on stream. Zack Snyder Productions at Twitch, if you want to check that out. But yeah, aside from Nintendo and Devolver, a lot of E3 sucked. You heard me earlier. It's like a lot of C's, D's, and three F's. It's like I've never given that many F's before in watching E3, but it was bad. Nintendo kind of saved it at the end for me, but I probably won't be covering e3 in later years simply because it was, it was just such a mess <laughs> such a mess you really need to start adopt adopting direct style formats because these things are going on for far too long and we're getting too little information for it to to be worth it anymore and i don't want to be like cynical and old and be like oh i hate video games or whatever i'm telling you if you go watch these conferences either live or after the fact you too will feel the frustration i felt watching e3 so yeah, those are my thoughts on E3 2019. My final grades were Nintendo A+, Devolver A, Microsoft C, Square Enix C-, Bethesda D-, Ubisoft F+, PC Gaming F, and EA at the very bottom with an F-. We're already over 30 minutes, so I'm going to have to cut it off here. I know. I, I tried to get through each of those conferences as quickly as I can while also mentioning the key announcements, and I was not going to rush talking about Breath of the Wild 2 because, dear God, that was insane. But if you like Aiden on Anchor, please support it in any way you know how. This podcast is not only on Anchor, it is also on Spotify, Google, Apple, all, all the podcast platforms. Just search Aiden on Anchor, you'll find it there. Support it in any way you know how. You can donate to the podcast if you really want to. You don't have to, though. And uh, I want to know your thoughts. What did you think about E3? What did you think about this Bring Back the National Dex movement? I want to hear your thoughts. Anyway, with all that being said, I've been Aiden of Blue Couch Productions, and I'm signing off. Bye-bye.